You are listening to the politicalbetting.com Polling Matters podcast. My name is Kieran Pedley. Well, where else do we go this week other than the emergence of the new independent group? You'd have to be living under a rock to have missed it, but in case you have, 11 MPs, at least at the time of recording, have left their respective parties to join a new independent grouping in Parliament. At the moment, that's eight Labour MPs and three Conservatives. Now, of course, one of the questions people will ask is, what do the polls say? What does public opinion think about this as we look at how this might or might not reshape British politics in the future? Um, Lord knows we might be forgetting the small matter of a no-deal Brexit in but a month's time, um, but let's look into the numbers anyway today. And as ever, I'm joined by fellow podcaster Leo Barassi to go for it all. Leo, welcome back. Hello, Kieran. So we've been off a few weeks whilst I changed jobs. Uh, so I, I'm now sort of landed at Ipsos Mori um, doing doing some of this polling lark. Um, but I mean, you've been following uh, this closely this week, Leo. I mean, what was your reaction? So I think oddly I was a little surprised, which is perhaps odd given that this is something that people have obviously been talking about as uh, increasingly likely to the point of inevitability for quite a while. But I think the thing that perhaps I wouldn't have seen playing out like this was actually the kind of level of organisation of it and the sort of feeling of uh, smoothness. Um, Now, I know that there are people who might be raising their eyebrows at this because certainly on the day there was uh, a bit of sniggering about things like um, the unfortunate comments that Uh, were made uh, on TV about people with funny tinges and uh, sort of small things that go wrong. But I guess it felt more like a launch of a new political operation fronted by people who were quite good at doing that kind of thing, did not expect it. Because I guess the experience of the, um, the initial leadership challenge against Corbyn was one of sort of chaos and jumping three steps forward and then two steps back. Um, and sort of no one really knowing where it was going. And I think this didn't feel like that. It did feel like more of a orchestrated game changer in politics than perhaps I had imagined the Labour split would look like uh, if and when it came. So I think it was bigger and more significant than I expected it to be. Um, but that's obviously just the sort of the media and public, uh, uh, sort of the... Um, the public affairs, the kind of TV side of it. I guess what that doesn't cover is the public opinion side. Um, And obviously, you know, one of the questions that that we should talk about is what's been going on in the polls, which I know you've been looking at. Yes, um, what's been going on in the polls is very much the uh, raison d'etre of us, of what we do here, right? Um, So there's been a bunch of um, voting intention polls that have been released. Well, there's been three. Um, so YouGov, have, so YouGov, Salvation, and Sky Data have all done different versions um, of voting intention polling that include, I mean, the independent group or a variation of it. Um, it should be stressed from the outset that all of these polls were done before the Tories, um, the three Tories, uh, sort of defected. So um, you have to bear that in mind when you're looking at some of these numbers. So um, probably the simplest way to go through this is to say that YouGov have. Uh, the independent group on 14. Um, Salvation had a new centrist party opposed to Brexit um, on eight. So Salvation were the first out of the gates. So I don't know if the name was even uh, known at that point. So we've got 14 and eight. And then Sky Data did a poll uh, sort of later in the week. Um, but I, I do believe it was before uh, the Tories, uh, the three Tories defected. 
um, and that had the independent group on 10. So anywhere between 8 and 14 in terms of the headline numbers. Um, I think I'm right in saying all of which was above the Liberal Democrats in their um, in these various uh, polls, um, only just in the case of Sky Data. So on face value, you know, um, looking quite good for the independent group. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, to be a suddenly newly emerged party and to be getting, in the case of YouGov, twice the vote share of the Lib Dems uh, is obviously a very serious um uh, serious score i guess you know the difficult question here is what does this mean and how seriously could you take it because obviously this isn't a political party um it's not it doesn't have a manifesto it doesn't have a name it's it's not eligible to stand for elections at the moment um i mean i guess at the moment we're polling more more like an idea of something than than perhaps something specific. I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm if I'm overreading that or it just sort of feels like these numbers are going to change or have the potential to change very dramatically, possibly in either direction. Well, I think that in the 24-hour news cycle that we live in, people want a sort of immediate answer as to what's going to happen. And I think it's impossible to give that. So without being too much of a politician you do have to sort of have a wait and see attitude in terms of how this uh, how this proceeds. We don't know if more defections are coming. We don't know what's going to happen uh, with, with, with by-elections um, and all the things that you mentioned about it being becoming a, a formal political party, which we assume is down the tracks. But before we get into any of the numbers, I think it's worth looking into the under the bonnet of um, some of the methodology behind some of these polls because I've seen a lot of journalists run away with particularly the YouGov figure um, of 14%. Now, it should be stressed that YouGov did two polls um, this week on voting intention, and, and those that follow Chris Curtis at YouGov and, and Anthony Wells will, will, will have seen this. They did their usual um, political poll, which actually had the Conservatives uh, on 41 and Labour 33, which, I mean, arguably one of the more interesting ones, right? Cause, <laughs> cause it could have been a story in itself, right? Well, eight points. I mean, YouGov have been having um, bigger Tory leads, but still, that's that's one of the bigger ones we've seen for a while. Um, and that was done the normal way. And then this this um, TIG, um, uh, the independent group poll, was very much an experiment. And, and YouGov would acknowledge that. But I think it's important that people that, you know, to the untrained eye, if you like, you don't run off with these numbers and assume that that's it. The independent group on 14. That's a fact. Everyone agrees with that. Yeah, these are experimental polls that explicitly prompt for the independent group. So just to give listeners an idea, YouGov's normal poll question is, if there was a general election held tomorrow, which party would you vote for? The numbers that gave TIG 14 was, uh, the question wording was, imagine the independent group put up candidates at the next general election. The Conservative Party, Labour, Liberal Democrats and other parties also stand. How would you then vote? You see, your pro- mm. your pro- And that rings an alarm bell, doesn't it? Like, uh, if I saw a poll question like that, I would be generally very cautious about how to read it because you prompt someone like that and you say, thinking about the independent group, do you think you might vote for the independent group or maybe one of the other parties? Yeah, and it's not just... Again, I want to make very, very clear, this is not a criticism of YouGov. YouGov were very clear 
that they were doing their normal voting attention question and they were doing this experiment with with TIG sort of prompted. But I, I just think it's that people that don't necessarily know that that was what what happened maybe run away with the headline figure for the independent group. Um, others, others, others just before I, before you get there, Leah, others did a similar thing. So Sky Data um, had if there was a general election tomorrow and candidates for all parties were standing in your constituency, including the new independent group of former Labour MPs who have split from the Labour Party. So again, the Tories not in not not factored in yet. How would you vote? Servation normally ask about your local constituency, you know, and and, and so on. Um, their sort of prompted question was if there was a general election taking place tomorrow and there was a candidate from all existing political parties and from a new centrist party that was opposed to Brexit. You know, so obviously they didn't at the time know what the name was. The point is these polls that have anywhere between 8 and 14 are explicitly prompting on a different set of circumstances. So you've got to take care with how you interpret them. So at the risk of going a bit canary here, um, <laughs> there is something really important about this because how the independent group land in these initial polls when it starts getting 14 percent very early on um that starts potentially creating momentum of its own now suppose counterfactually that these polls had had the independent group scoring three percent or four percent um You've got to think that that would start creating a narrative that they'd done this big launch and nothing was happening, the public weren't noticing, or if they were noticing, they didn't like the idea of it at all. And that would potentially start putting off other MPs from defecting to it, and you could see it fizzling out. Now, with them getting scores like 14%, which is pretty good for a brand new political Mm. outfit, then it feeds that momentum in a really interesting way. And... Now, given that you've, as you just pointed out, that, um, and absolutely, I echo your point, this is not a criticism, I think this is probably the right way to ask a question at the moment, but that question is not a real representation of if there was an election tomorrow, literally tomorrow, um, how people would vote, because the independent group is not front of mind for, for many people. It's not in most people's minds. If they walked into a ballot box, into a polling station tomorrow, they probably would not get anything like that 14% because they wouldn't be prompted in the same way. So there's something quite important here about how polling is artificially boosting their score, I think is fair to say, in terms of where people are at the moment. And that is probably helping create their momentum. Now, this is not in any way to suggest that that's a malicious, deliberate thing on the part of polling agencies. But it's, again, one of those points where polling is probably having quite an influence on public debate. Well, I think I agree with that. And let's look at um, an alternative situation. So um, what about if when Nigel Farage mentioned the Brexit party, um, we didn't see any polling there? I mean, someone on Twitter mentioned this to me, and I thought it was a fair point i mean we didn't see any polling or i didn't that said so if there was a brexit party i don't i don't know what the actual policy of nigel farage's new outfit is on brexit is it is it a no deal i'm not quite sure um but you know imagine there was a a, a brexit party uh, in favor of no deal how would you vote well i'm willing to bet good money that they would poll i don't know what they would poll but they'd poll reasonably well i i i think that um you know we've seen in in polling that there's enough support for a no deal brexit out there that maybe they would, and certainly prompted in that way. I mean, even if you don't even look at it from this, the, these two new kids on the block, I mean, if you said, imagine the Green Party were standing in your uh, local area um, and, and against the, the other three parties, how would you vote? I mean, maybe they wouldn't get um, you know, 12, 13, 14%, but you know, they'd probably get more than they currently do. 
in polls. I think mm. that's I think that's reasonable. So I do mm. think there is something in the methodology here. Now I think I know why these polls are being done. They're being done to try and understand where would their potential support come from. Um, but nevertheless, I think we have to be very, very careful about how we interpret these results. And and dare I say, if there are any MPs listening to this who are who are sort of thinking of jumping ship, I mean, I wouldn't take that fourteen percent to the bank. Well, okay, but so I think what you what you could say that the polls are doing is they're trying to imagine a world in which the independent group have got more name recognition than they have now, um, and essentially they are like the other parties were sufficiently well understood that people will look at the list and think, oh yeah, I know what those parties are. So I think you could say that this is this is attempting to give a score for where if nothing else changes in terms of how the parties are seen, uh, but just it sort of neutrally gets known, then this is where it would be. So it's sort of it's a, a midpoint for a well known version of the independent group, arguably. I mean, maybe it's very hard to know. I think we're going to have to see how how that progresses um, in the coming weeks. Yeah. Okay. So maybe we disagree slightly, but I guess looking at the numbers, I mean, obviously this is a party that is mostly made up of ex-Labour MPs. So does that mean that their support is is coming from Labour supporters mostly? Well, again, with all the caveats we've just mentioned, um, I think broadly the answer to that is yes, but not universally. And we re- here we really do need to pay attention to the fact that these polls were done before the three Conservatives joined uh, the independent group. So we don't know what impact that's going to have in real life. But yeah, so I mean, the YouGov numbers that had 14% for the independent group, in that scenario, one in five, 19% of the 2017 Labour vote um, would back them versus 8% of the 2017 uh, Conservative vote and 39% of the Liberal Democrat vote from 2017 um, which is obviously a huge number, um, and they do seem to be the biggest losers out of um, in vote share out of some, out of some of these polls. Um, but obviously, thirty nine percent of what a much smaller vote share overall. So um, yeah, I mean, primarily these people tend to be uh, Labour voters, but they are taking um, the independent group do do take votes from elsewhere. Uh, if you look at Servations poll, nine uh, percent of twenty seventeen Labour voters, five percent of twenty seventeen Tories, twenty percent of uh, twenty seventeen Lib Dems. So yeah, really hurting the Lib Dems. But I guess in absolute terms, I believe the Labour vote is is that is more is a greater proportion. Um, There's something interesting going on with don't knows as well, isn't there? Yeah. So one of the interesting things is that if you look at uh, go back to the YouGov figures, um, the number of don't knows uh, in in the voting attention question is 22% in the uh, normal one and 31% in the one where the independent group uh, is introduced. And if you look at um, the Labour votes uh, specifically, um, one in five current Labour voters and one in three roughly from 2017 uh, don't know who they would vote for in the context that the the independent group is standing um, compared to one in five um, one in five Tories. Now, there's a couple of different ways to interpret this, I suppose. One of them is to say, oh, wow, not only are Labour voters uh, telling uh, the pollster here that they're going to move over, but actually there's a bunch that don't know as well that might, you know, wait and see and might go there eventually. But what we we should always be cautious when Labour voters don't know what they're going to do, because we've seen in 2017 um, that, you know, in, in a good campaign, they go back to Labour. So, uh, we, we've really just got to keep in mind the uncertainty around some of these numbers and just take the um, the headline figures that the independent group are getting, if not with a pinch of salt, at least with a great degree of caution.
Yeah, I mean, I think if you're the independent group, I'm not sure you would be too worried about the point you just made about Labour voters going home to Labour, because I think you could certainly argue, and I don't think it's a ridiculous argument, um, that Labour voters who didn't like Corbyn or were cautious about Labour went back to Labour in 2017 because Tim Farron and Theresa May ran such hopeless campaigns that they just didn't seem like options, particularly for Labour voters. So I guess the independent group would look at that and say, well, sure, it happened last time, but we don't plan to be so unappealing for uh, disillusioned Labour voters. Yeah, and I think there's a there's a there's a wealth of evidence from um, mainly the Salvation polling because they did they did they, they did quite a lot um, that suggests the 2017 Labour vote has a significant chunk of it that is very unhappy um, with what's going on with the Labour Party. So I'm just going to wheel off some numbers for the listeners' benefit, but I think that these are worth paying attention to, attention to. So these are nothing to do with voting intention; these are just perception questions. So Salvation asked. Um, whether the seven Labour MPs were right to set up a new independent group. Uh, overall, 56% said they were right, 20% said wrong. Labour voters, 46 versus 23. So this is Labour voters from 2017. So slightly less than average, but still uh, twice as many Labour voters from 2017 saying that, they, that these people were right to do this versus uh, wrong. When um, Sebastian asked who the best Prime Minister who would make the best Prime Minister out of May and Corbyn? Um, May is on 48, Corbyn's on 29. But one in five, slightly more than that, in fact, 22% of Labour voters from 2017 um, said Theresa May. So that just shows you uh, just how dissatisfied some of these 2017 uh, Labour voters are. Um, a slightly confusing one, we were talking about this off air, weren't we, Leo? Not confusing, sorry. A slightly surprising number was that uh, when given the choice, um, overall, 54% said the seven Labour MPs, again, this is seven because at the time it was seven, I should mention, obviously. Uh, it's obviously become eight in the f since then. Um, ha who have left uh, have acted on reasons of conscious, uh, conscience, 54% said that, versus 27% um, who said the seven Labour MPs have left, uh, have acted for reasons of um, personal ambition. And among Labour voters from 2017, again, 47% said it was a, an act of uh, conscience versus 35% saying... Um, they left for reasons of political ambition. Um, so, you know, that was quite surprising, right? Because, I mean, we normally think MPs yeah, are... Yeah, you don't, you don't typically get the public being sympathetic to things that MPs have done uh, in moves like this. So, <clears throat> I mean, it's interesting, perhaps um, they could have been attacked more immediately as careerists who were seeking to advance uh, their own chances uh, because they realised they weren't getting anything under Corbyn. I don't know, maybe that would have never stuck, but it feels like that argument hasn't been made and hasn't landed and that and they are their resignations are seen as principled. Yeah, and then finally, I mean, not it's not the only, the last question, but um, who, who do you think, which, um, which do you think best represents the people of Britain? The Labour Party under Jeremy Corbyn, so 45% of 2017 Labour voters said, you know, said that, but 31%, more than 3 in 10 Labour voters from 2017, said the new independent group of MPs. And a further 24% said don't know. So a majority of Labour voters from 2017 um, told Salvation that either they didn't know or they thought the new independent group of MPs better represented the people of Britain um, than, uh, than, than, the, than the Labour Party under Corbyn. Now, that doesn't necessarily... They didn't say they better represent me, uh, as in not Kieran Pedley. But uh, but the uh, the person responding to the poll, so maybe that would have been different if it was represents your views. But I think the point is there's plenty of data here, and in, 
as an aside, Sky Data had a poll that showed um, 22% of 2017 Labour voters think the party is institutionally anti-Semitic. I think that there's a lot, I've thrown a lot of numbers at the listener there. But I think the point is that there is a significant chunk of the Labour vote from 2017 that is pretty unhappy with the Labour Party. And that is pretty important. And we've seen this on our Ipsos Mori political monitor as well. When you ask current Labour voters, this isn't um, how satisfied they are with Jeremy Corbyn's, the job he's doing as leader of the opposition, 44% satisfied, 46% dissatisfied, and 57% of 2017 Labour voters are dissatisfied with the job that he's doing um, as leader of the opposition. And those are particularly, these are almost record numbers with the Ipsos Mori political monitor. So... Whichever way you look at it, Leo, I mean, there's a lot of Labour voters from 2017 that aren't happy with the party. Yes, uh, I don't think I can dispute anything about that, though I would probably add a couple of points. I mean, the first is that let's not forget that as well, a lot of Tory voters are dissatisfied with the leadership in the party as well, yep. um, particularly Tory Remainers who... Um, would presumably be the people who are more inclined to to support the independent group when it becomes a party. Um, so you know this is this is in the context where both the main party leaders are notably unpopular. Um, now, and one of the other questions that you haven't mentioned that I think is is worth mentioning because it certainly I found it very surprising um, was in the Salvation poll where they tested. Uh, Chukramuna as a possible leader up against the other leaders. And, and honestly, I had thought that um, when this happened, when you started getting one of the um, independent group MPs being put up against the others, you would see compared to these two uh, historically unpopular party leaders, May and Corbyn, uh, the independent group suddenly has a leadership that people like and want to support. But honestly, it really hasn't been borne out at all by the polls. So they tested him again independently against both May and Corbyn, and he doesn't do very well. He um, uh, he slightly beats Corbyn, though not by much, but he loses badly to May, and in fact loses to May by pretty much the same amount as, as Corbyn does. Um, he gets slightly less, but May also gets slightly less. Um, so at least at the moment, they aren't seen to have individual leaders or potential leaders who are widely loved now obviously i think a substantial element of that is most people probably don't really know who he is and don't have a, a very firm opinion of him but um it's not feeling like there's anyone that they've got yet who is obviously addressing the problems that that the other leaders have mm. um and there's just one other point that's, that's a bit different, but I found quite striking in the crossbreaks of the YouGov poll about the people who are selecting the independent group. Um, now, I think from the sort of media representation and the debate on Twitter, and um, I think I'm increasingly uh, trying to avoid uh, some of the Twitter debates just because uh, times like this, they're so partisan and people sort of saying Pretty the thing nasty, you isn't it? Say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you would think that the independent group is led by and led for and appealing to uh, metropolitan liberal elite Ramonas and so on. Um, but to be honest, that's not actually borne out by the, um, the YouGov data um, to anything like the extent that you might think. So if you look at social grade, it's pretty much evenly split between ABC1 and C2DE. Um, if you look at... Uh, age it's not particularly unbalanced um 
And if you look at Leave Remain, now it is more Remain than Leave. So 18% of Remainers support them, 11% of Leavers support them. But that's actually closer balanced than Labour have. So Labour are more skewed to Remain than the independent group are at the moment. So in terms of who it's appealing to, it's it's certainly not looking like a kind of metropolitan elite Remain constituency, which... I think surprised me, and um, I'm not sure what that would mean in terms of their electoral prospects. I guess in a way you would think it would be possibly bad for them as a small party trying to break through not to have it uh, support very concentrated in uh, particularly distinct constituencies. You might think that actually having a very urban Remain uh, support base would allow them to win a few seats uh, in elections and if their support is actually quite evenly spread across the country then they might get 18% everywhere and not win a seat um, so possibly that's bad news for them but it's certainly counterintuitive Yeah I think this goes to the heart of what the, the strategy is going to be, I want to come to by-elections in a minute but I mean we, we were talking about the strategy off air weren't we and um, it feels to me like this new group are going to be attacked from all sides, I mean I know that some people have said that they're going to get a very good press um, because you know the lobby are fascinated with them and um, the sort of normal media, if you like, mainstream media wants to push them and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, okay, maybe they'll get some oxygen in, in that regard. Um, but at some point, they're going to have to come up with a message, presumably a leader, a name, and a, sort of, and a policy platform. And you know, you really do need to stand out. And I've been racking my brains this week on this because what you've said has sort of challenged my prior a bit on this. You know, my view was that this party needs to be, um, I suspect it's going to be, to be honest, um, the party of Remain. You know, when, when the, the Brexit deal comes back, they're going to be the ones pushing a second referendum very vociferously along with others, right? That's going to be their policy. It's going to be second referendum. So there's only so much you can fudge that, I think, in terms of um, what their agenda is. So I'm always very, I'm always minded to think back to the Lib Dems when they were at their peak um, under sort of Charles Kennedy and later Mick Clegg. You know, they had very, very clear policy offerings. Uh, okay, <laughs> we can all joke about, you know, tuition fees, but particularly when they opposed the Iraq war, the Liberal Democrats had a very obvious offer and a uh, you know, very obvious constituency that they were offering it to. Now, the comparison with the Lib Dems is difficult because for lots of reasons um, to do with the Liberals' heritage over time and all the rest of it and their, their machine and that sort of thing. But I, I just wonder what it is that's going to win these initial uh, by-elections if they f fight in them or you know get them a sort, of, a sort of groundswell of support, even if it is 10 15% of the vote. For me, it feels like it has to be Brexit-related, but, I mean, other views are out there, right? Yeah, so I I, I think I, I only partly agree with you on that. So I can't think of a better strategy for winning any initial by-elections they have to fight than by identifying themselves very much as the, the Remain party and standing up, against, standing up against the Brexit parties, particularly if they were fighting in a constituency like Streatham, let's say Jokamuna, for whatever reason, did feel he had to fight a by-election, um, a constituency that on the modelling uh, Chris Hanretti and others are putting it as being something like 80% remain, one of the most remain constituencies in the country, um, you would think that would have to be a Brexit by-election. So I get that. And if they're trying to win their first few by-elections and something very distinctive on the most salient issue of the day probably is necessary for them. Um, I think 
the reason why I would be concerned for them if that was the case and that was really what they did is that it feels like a, a long-term limiting strategy to identify themselves so heavily on an issue that is very polarised and also very heavily identified with the liberal side of the liberal authoritarian axis. And if they do that, if they become... Because I think they're going to be sort of centre to centre left economically but if they're quite heavily liberal and metropolitan then that's putting them in a, in a space that's that's fine to revote to set but it's also exactly the space where corbyn's labor are on the on the liberal authoritarian leave europe to one side and i think that's that's obviously a problem for corbyn with with that group of voters but uh labor is obviously a party that um I mean, if, if you look at the um, um, uh, Corbyn, Corbyn's decision today uh, to say that he would not uh, strip the um, uh, British citizenship of the, uh, the the British teenager who fled uh, to be an ISIS bride, um, that that is exactly the issue that the, that kind of liberal voter wants him to be positioning himself on. I mean, so he's absolutely identifying himself in that space. And there's obviously a lot of of left-wing authoritarian voters who are not backing him on that. Now, if the independent group puts themselves in that space as well, and Brexit would be an issue that would really put themselves in that, then they're fighting over a lot of similar voters that, that Corbyn's Labour are fighting over as well. And it just feels like that's probably not a very uh, free territory for them to fight in, even if it might be the instincts of a lot of their MPs. But then, but then can, I, can I be quite blunt on my response to that earlier, right? I mean that that's going to be their position. Their position is going to be second referendum and remain. Like, they're not going to... Well, yeah, it can, it can be, but the question is how salient that is, how much they go out of their way to identify themselves at that. I mean, it could be, look, we, we believe in this, but we recognise that, or, you know, we, we can't try and fight, for it, fight on it, but we don't talk about it all the time. Or it can be the thing that they talk about. They can mm. essentially be the second referendum party or it could just be yeah this is one of our positions but actually we want to talk about modernizing britain and reforming the economy and um you know making the country work and you know all the kind of things that people who who write write for the economists say should be the 10 big policies for um uh, for britain's future and so on uh, you know there's I, I hate to say it, but I think it is the it is the right model. There is a Blairite style moderna, modernization that uh, ni- uh, uh, obviously obviously doesn't involve Tony Blair himself and doesn't involve the word Blairite, but is is a model for looking at the economy and saying, look, this is just going badly. The old two parties have let us down. Uh, we need to do many things differently. Yeah, I, sp- <laughs> I mean, there is a there is a cynical sort of response to that, which is, I mean. You know how much of a long-term project is this? I'm sure that, pe- that the people involved would love it to become, you know, the third force in British politics, usurping the Lib Dems and SNP and all the rest of it. But maybe they just want to kind of stop, uh, you know, stop Brexit or stop a hard Brexit, and maybe on the Labour side prevent a Corbyn government. Maybe they haven't really thought that far ahead in terms of what ten, ten years from now looks like. Maybe they're thinking more like ten weeks. Yeah, yeah, I think that uh, maybe maybe that's fair. Although I'm sure I mean, they never admit some... it, but I'm just saying, like privately, maybe they're thinking, "Well, do you know what? This is a bit of a kamikaze mission. We don't know what's going to happen. 
Um, but at least if we can get a second referendum, well, I mean, that they'd be winning yeah, the lottery. So I, they, but... I reckon that's probably not true. I'm sure that somewhere there is a, a really nice PowerPoint presentation that sets out all the stages that they're going through. And like they're in stage one now where they announce it and get some defections. And then stage two or three will be announce the name of the party and then get more defections and so on. And uh, and yeah, the model that I've just talked about, the sort of don't, don't box yourself into the liberal left-wing quadrant or cent- mm-hmm. liberal center-left quadrant is exactly what you would need to avoid doing if you wanted not to be the third party but to be one of the two parties that could form the government so um that's yeah i guess that's what i'm what i'm getting at with that um anyway in that context i guess the interesting question is how do the other parties respond to this like what do you do to to counter this well i think the most obvious response to that that springs to mind and there was some polling on this uh by salvation new gov this week is, is the question of by-elections. Um, I mentioned earlier, didn't I, that the Labour 2017 vote is pretty unhappy with the um, the current Labour Party. But when you um, when you ask voters... Uh, so there's two two questions I want to read out here. One from you, Gov. MPs that leave their party should resign their seat and fight a by-election. 49% agree with that. This is all voters. Uh, continue to serve their term, 28%. Salvation, uh, an MP that leaves the party for which they were elected as an MP should resign and trigger a by-election of 57%. Agree with that? An MP who leaves the party for which they were elected as an MP should remain as an MP. 22% said that. Uh, 20, 20% said don't know. And there, uh, 58% of 2017 Labour voters uh, thought that the MP should uh, resign and do a by-election. 22% said they shouldn't, which is basically in line with the average. Um, <clears throat> now, we know that people tend to like... Uh, MPs resigning, facing by-elections, stuff like that. But from a messaging perspective, I think Labour, Labour in particular, have responded, and I'm sure the Tories will do the same, in in a pretty effective way by saying, "Look, you, were, I'm sorry you've gone. I mean, other people have got more angry on Twitter. Don't get me wrong, but I'm sorry you've gone. But ultimately, you were elected as a Labour or Conservative MP on a certain manifesto. You, sh- you should, uh, if you think you want to do something else, you should stand for a by-election. I think that's a pretty convincing argument, and the public seems to agree. So I think, first and foremost, whether they privately want a by-election or not, anybody's guess. But it's the right response. It's like, yeah, okay, you, may, you can say what you like, put it to the vote. Um, it's like yeah, you, know, you could make a joke here about who wants second votes and who doesn't, but we won't. We will leave that for another day. But yeah, I think the, the short term is about the by-election. The long term is a bigger question. Yeah. Okay. I, so I'm re- I'm not convinced that this is a very credible use of polling. Um, like this is, I think the the Labour blogger Hopi Sen used to call this a pony poll, where you basically offer someone something for free where they don't have to think about any of the trade-offs or or something and it's like okay yeah do you want do you want to be given a say over this thing it's like when you ask people if they want a referendum on the topic then um of course people say that they do want a referendum but put it another way not always do they as we've been talking about on this podcast for quite well yeah okay fair point but uh, with with one (laughs) quite famous exception perhaps Uh, look uh uh, according to uh to our friend google or specifically bbc an average by-election costs just under two hundred and forty thousand pounds ask that question of do you want to spend two and a half million pounds running by-elections um this is the same cost as employing 10 policemen or whatever um do you want to force the public to have to go to 
uh, turn up on a wet Thursday to decide whether or not they're going to re-elect the same MP who's well, been. Well, yeah, okay, all right. These are loaded. Look, I mean, yeah, exactly. But exactly. <clears throat> I mean, you've like you've asked the question one way. I'm just like, okay, yeah, people say yes to it, but that doesn't mean that they care. Like, yes, yes, they want it, but they don't care if they don't get it. I, I think. think is I think if you look at, um, I think Jim Waterston, Jim Waterston posted this. If you look at the most viewed. Uh, articles on Facebook, I think um, pretty much all of them were about, was it Shamima Begum? Um, right, yeah. The, the girl in, in Syria. Um, yeah. I think like the top two or three were about her and then there were some others, I think about the royal family or something, like the, the, Labour, the Labour MPs leaving, and this is again before the Conservatives did, um, was way down the list. So, I mean, in terms of salience, yeah, I mean, I'll take that point. But, I mean, I think that there is a coherence to the argument that says Douglas Carswell stood down, Mark Greckler stood down, they stood yeah, in Yeah, but most didn't. A couple of them did, but historically most MPs who've, who switched parties don't stand down. But if you're... I, I, but there's a there's a thread you can pull here. If you're saying we want a new kind of politics where we do things differently and we don't do cynical Westminster gain, uh, games, and then in the second sentence you're saying, and we're not standing down because that's not what the country needs right now, it sounds very, very much like a sort of traditional Westminster lie, doesn't it? So, I mean, I think that, that sort of thing is problematic for them, I think. But, I mean, obviously it depends I, so on where I, you come I from. I genuinely disagree. I just, I just think that people are not going to care like yeah you can make you can make an argument against it but it feels a bit like people saying ah jeremy corbyn's going to do kind of gentler politics but look at them attacking the tories it's like well yeah obviously you do stuff in politics that uh, is you know is sometimes slightly cynical and self-serving but i don't think people care that much do they well, I think, I mean, from the, the point of view of the independent group, I think it makes sense not to have by-elections if you're going to be, like, completely strategic. lose them. Well, yeah, but if you're going to be completely strategic about it, you want to stay, you want the parliament now to go on as long as possible. So, ideally, you want the parliament to go on until, like, 2022. Yeah, and then yeah, you want to just use that time and your platform as an MP, ideally with more crossing the floor, to, um, you know, to, to uh, uh, set your stall out and to become a sort of permanent fixture over the next sort of three years. So by the time an election does come, you've got an organisation and money and all the rest of it behind it. I mean, one thing I will say, if a few more Tory MPs do defect, I mean, the government doesn't have a majority anymore. So um, although having said that, I think the, the independent group have said that they wouldn't vote for an election. So yeah, which of course puts them in, in, in an interesting position, right? Like, if 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 they so would they, would they vote confidence in the government? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Different, I mean that's it? yeah, yeah, potentially quite difficult for them there. Yeah, because that's, that's a good point because they, they've said we won't uh, vote vote for an election, but that's not quite the same as saying. Well, I don't know. Is it? I mean, it doesn't feel like the same as saying we'll vote for the government in a vote of confidence. Yeah, very, yeah. I very... wonder whether they might actually quite deliberately have to avoid getting too many Tories over to their side for exactly that reason because it would look really weird if they were if they'd all left say left the Tory party saying that they just don't think the Theresa may take the country in the right direction but they mm. also say that they don't want a general election I mean that's that for me feels like a messaging that's really hard to sustain and I think that the latest I've seen today is that, I can't remember who it was. One of them gave an interview that said that they would back the Brexit deal if it gave them a second referendum. So I don't think this is a new concept of the idea of backing May's deal on the basis of a people's vote, which we know she's not going to offer, really, is she? But um, you know that that's an interesting line as well. Well, look, let's leave it there for this week, Leo. I mean, I'm sure there'll be loads of poll. Well, I know for a fact there'll be at least one more coming out next week on this. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see where we are in the coming weeks. A very interesting week in Westminster. I hope listeners enjoyed the return of the Polling Matters podcast. 
as ever if you like what you hear please do share us on social media give us a like or a positive comment on facebook twitter and elsewhere or on your itunes or all the podcast apps everything you can do does help new people find us and we very much appreciate it but for now send us your comments uh you know let us know what you think and have a great week